0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte.
1: This Ben Jarofsky Show, Benny J Bonus Interview, is brought to you in part by the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8, the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers Local Nine, the International Union of Operating Engineers Local One Fifty, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. That's correct, Benny J. Take it away. It's bonus time in the Ben Show as I speak, Wednesday, January twenty second, twenty twenty. Ooh, that little smooth cocktail lounge music going in the background. <laughs> I'm going to have a drink. Hold on. <laughs> Just don't smoke cigarettes, on oh, sorry. Uh, Today's Sun-Times, the headline is Viral Concern, O'Hare to Stop Screening for Potentially Deadly New Virus. That's what's in the news as I do this bonus interview. But of course, you could be listening to this anytime because it's a podcast, eh? I know. You all right? Uh, as I do with all bonus uh, Ben Jirovsky interviews, I ask my distinguished guest to introduce him or herself. So distinguished guest, introduce yourself
0: Hi, I'm Maureen O'Donnell, and I write obituary stories for the Chicago Sun-Times.
1: Yes, she does, but folks, that doesn't even do justice to what Maureen O'Donnell does. This is Chicago's best obituary writer, bar none. And really, obituaries, as I like to say, are just like parables or fables or essays on life. So uh, Maureen (laughs) O'Donnell... I would say, is the woman in Chicago writing. And, uh, it's a boy.
0: Twice I'm a frustrated the, history teacher.
1: Is that what you are, really? Yeah. <laughs> These are like little history stories.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Children, you must know this. <laughs> what kind of history teacher? If you were a history teacher, Maureen Donald, would you be the cool teacher who was like, oh, let, let's smoke pot today, or would you be the stickler? Let's dot those I'd eyes. be the
0: kind of teacher who says, children, do you see those... Those metal doors on old apartment buildings, that's where they used to put in the coal to heat your grandfather's building. i tell them to look around them and observe.
1: Man, I would that would be good, yeah. One teacher says,
0: let's smoke pot today. <laughs>
1: uh, <laughs> I got to tell you, there, I had a, um, uh, oh my gosh, my uh, late aunt who passed away many years ago was like the cool teacher, a high school English teacher. I don't think she ever said, let's smoke. I don't know. Maybe she did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aunt Sarah, may she rest in peace. But she was really cool. Mm-hmm. You know, when I'm saying Marine, like mm-hmm. she, she was like up on, this is 70s. Like she'd read Kurt Vonnegut before mm-hmm. Kurt Vonnegut was in yeah. the... Um, she was
0: interested in everything, lifelong learner. Yeah, that's the secret.
1: Yeah, yeah. She would go where the kids were going here. Well, I'll try it. I'll yeah. see where they're going. I'm not yeah. just going to say they're, it's wrong because they're going there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, that's the kind of teacher she was. Okay, Maureen O'Donnell, let's get down to business. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least twice a year, I invite you on to talk about some of the greatest hits. And uh, I have mine that I've, uh, we're going to talk about first, I want to talk about Jim Toohey. This ran Sunday, January mm-hmm. 12th, 2020. I'm sad to say I, he's a guy I should have known, mm-hmm. but I didn't know. Tell folks about Jim Toohey.
0: Jim Toey was a Chicago writer and raconteur. He kind of held court at the Old Town Ale House, at Ricardo's, at um, various watering holes for journalists. He was very versatile. He worked at UPI. He wrote for NBC, the Chicago Sun Times. He wrote um, a book about Grey Lord with Rob Warden, who's worked so uh, long and hard on um, wrongful exonerations and founder of Chicago Lawyer. Uh, and Jim was people found Jim very lovable. He um, he had a story about everything. He knew everybody, and he um, he 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 was also kind of a bulldog at one point he was doing contract work for DCFS and the inspector general for DCFS Denise Kane said that um, there was a little boy who'd been abused by one of his mother's boyfriends and all the little boy had was a first name and that this abuser took him to a bar Jim for six months went to various saloons taverns bars in the area he suspected this boy had been taken. And he kind of sidled up to people at the bar and say, hey, has so-and-so been in? Well, after six months, he finally struck gold. Somebody said, oh, yeah, he'll be in tonight. Or, you know, he was here last night. Through Jim's detective work and that that doggedness, they caught the guy Mm. who was abusing this six-year-old. So he, he wore many hats and he was the life of the party.
1: Uh, one of the things that uh, there's always a little funny line or not always but many times Maureen's got these little lines that she puts in there and I'm looking for it right here I can't find it though I remember when I read it Sarsfield Award Uh, no it's the one about how he and his wife they were married for many years and they loved the nightlife they go to different bars and then they got a divorce Mm -hmm. and he got one bar and she got the other bar
0: yeah I think she I think he (laughs) stayed north and she stayed close to North Avenue or the other way around you know like O'Rourke's now
1: all right, let's just take a moment to talk about this Uh, I I'm not a much of a drinker, uh, but I when I first moved to Chicago, first time I moved to Chicago, there was this very established bar scene on the North Side that journalists would go to. Mm-hmm. I remember going to a bar once and in awe. Looking at Roger Ebert holding court, mm-hmm. and he was surrounded by people. And he was telling stories, right. and they were knocking back beers yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Tui was part of that scene,
0: right? Right. Roger Ebert, Mike Roiko. On any given night, you could run into them holding court and talking. Um, I, I um, was at the Old Town Ale House once, and there was there was Mike Roiko in the middle of the bar talking and. Somebody said he's got a voice like an outboard motor. (laughs) You just wanted to listen.
1: Uh, Were you, did you hang around at bars back in the day when you were just breaking into journalism?
0: Yeah, everybody did. You know, um, it was a way to, you know, it was networking. It was, uh, it was uh, be part of the tribe. You know, if you were working the night shift and you got off at 2 a.m., you know, it was a way. Sometimes you met your future spouse that way. You know, yeah. um, and uh, but yeah, there were, you know, there, people like Ebert were five feet away on just dropping gems. And uh, Ebert said Jim Toohey was a terrific writer.
1: Well, here's uh, one line from the Jim Toohey obit that I particularly uh, enjoyed. And it uh, brings in Mike Royko, who is uh, one of my uh, idols. Mm. Uh, Toohey captured Royko in an article published in 1997 in New City. In it. Royko described listening to an unwitting blowhard who advised him t- that to understand Chicago politics, he ought to read a book by a guy named Mike Royko. <laughs> Royko told Mr. Tui, I put my hand out, grabbed his and said, my name is Mike Royko.
0: Beep. A- A-hole. A-hole. I love the
1: sometimes A and then dash, dash.
0: Huh, let me figure out what that the dashes are. <laughs> Uh, Jim Jim didn't like pretense. Um, you know, he grew up in the Barrington area. His um, dad was a judge. I think his uncle was the Cook County State's Attorney. Uh, and uh, his mother died when he was young. And his father remarried a woman named Mary Poe, who's a direct descendant, I'm told, of Edgar Allan Poe. But this was a man who didn't like pretense. And on one of his book jackets, there was a blurb that said he was the recipient of the prestigious Sarsfield Award. Yeah. <laughs> and as Rob Warden said, yeah. that was his middle name. Yeah,
1: <laughs> just made it up. Uh, anyway, a lot of great characters uh, in Chicago journalism uh, from the 70s used to hang out, do a lot of drink. I don't know if, uh, what's your thoughts? Do do journalists, the younger journalists drink as much today as they did in the 70s and the I 80s? I think
0: everybody's drinking less and smoking less. You know, it's, uh, everybody's a lot healthier. Yeah.
1: Well, I didn't smoke or drink back in the 70s and the 80s. 80s but uh
0: mm-hmm.
1: i did a lot of i remember when the, the sun
0: times had a smoking lounge get
1: out of here yeah and it was it was really disgusting a
0: smoking lounge yeah smoking where, lounge wait time
1: out was this the old sun times uh on where,
0: wabash yeah where
1: uh the trump tower is now
0: right there was a smoking lounge and reporters who smoked could go in there and write their stories on, I think at that point they were called word processors and smoke away. And my recollection is the walls and the glass were yellow.
1: Oh my God. That's <laughs> disgusting. Oh, I'm going to go here and smoke cigarettes. Mm. I, I, and listen, I'm not crying for any cigarette smokers They're out there on the streets. And, you know, always complain, like, make me on the sidewalk. I can't stand walking by them. You know mm. what I'm saying? With that, that like that. Two I don't seconds? Know. It still
0: smells good to me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Back in the day, Moreno, Donald was known to take a cigarette or two. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh this one I actually wrote about as well, and it meant a lot to me. I learned about his death uh by reading Maureen O'Donnell's obituary. Uh on Wednesday, January eighth, twenty twenty. Richard Barnett, activist, helped elect Harold Washington, nurtured countless political careers. I had a tear in my eye when I read this story, uh, because I know I knew Richard for many years. I talk about the legacy of Richard Burnett.
0: He, was, uh, he grew up with about 13 brothers and sisters in Chicago on the south side, went to Wendell Phillips High School, and had a street sense um, for what would work. He had a phone book. And phone numbers galore, and he would work them to uh, promote his candidates, who ranged from Harold Washington to Chuy Garcia to Luis Gutierrez. And he was, you know, he was a strategist. You know, he had a day job for the U.S. Postal Service, but he was a strategist who knew that if he helped get Chuy Garcia, um, Luis Gutierrez into city council, it could help tip the balance um, and and, and enable Harold Washington to get his agenda through, to break through the Redoli Act 29. And um, some people have liked him, like him, they said he's not, he wasn't a soldier, a street soldier. He was a street general, who was able to forge alliances and was extremely effective. And he, um, you know, Danny Davis was a veteran of um, the same uh, West Side politics that Richard was. And he said, a lot of us were marching, demonstrating, going to meetings, speaking of the 60s. And he said, but when it came to electoral politics, it would stop. Because of the view, you could not go up against the machine, mm-hmm. and so with Ed Hanrahan's ouster as state's attorney and uh, the black vote going for state's attorney Bernie Carey after uh, the Black Panthers were killed in the um, in sixty eight sixty nine, um, suddenly um, there was there was movement and there was more coalescing, and um, Barnett was at the center of it all. Um, Davis, I loved hearing Danny Davis and John Steele, the former alderman talk about how rough things could get in those days, you know, sugar in your gas tank, they didn't just rip up campaign signs, John Steele said. They dumped 50 of his own signs in his backyard, you know, rubbing salt in the wound. Danny Davis said, you know, it was, you know, old ladies and old men getting knocked down for passing out campaign literature. You know, you had to be tough and and, 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 and strategize, and Richard Barnett was great at that.
1: Well, let me uh, add my uh, couple thoughts about it. It brought home so many members when I read your story. Uh, when I moved to Chicago, I didn't know anything about Chicago politics and was learning quickly Uh, and reading old articles and stuff. Somebody said, Hey man, you got to talk to Richard Burnett. I Mm. called him up and uh, Maureen, uh, the guy was so generous with his time. Mm. I was as green as they come. I was so idealistic. I didn't know anything about Chicago. I'm from Evanston. Mm. I think like, I don't know if the difference between Evanston and Chicago I mean, it was just overwhelming. Chicago was so different, so tougher, so harder, so more cynical, you know, and here I am, like, can't we all get together and live together? And uh, Richard Barnett taught me so much. Mm-hmm. He took the time, Maureen. Uh just like he first of all, he he shared uh my love for talking. Mm-hmm. And uh so he could talk for hours on the phone. I mean hours. Mm-hmm. And he would have that i d I don't know if you ever talked to me but that like a uh like a, a flat monotone it was like a monotone but it would every now and then I'd go up and mm. it would, it's just like talk 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 <laughs> and details and names and, and and we'd do the tangents like oh wait hold on richard who's that guy now and I would write down the name mm. and I would go look it up you yeah. know but that's how I that was like he was my teacher. So, uh, he's the one who taught yeah. me so much about Chicago. He
0: challenged gerrymandering maps. You know, he, At one point, I love this story that his nephew told. Um, his oh. nephew was walking in City Hall with him, and he said, um, Richard Barnett's walking through City Hall, and coming from the other direction is Mayor Richard M. Daley, who at this point are on opposite sides of a lawsuit. involving congressional redistricting and alleged gerrymandering and you know there was this silent nod (laughs) as these two pass each other and his nephew said but uncle that's your political enemy and barnett responds and says no i don't have political enemies i have political adversaries yeah. I think there's a lot of wisdom there.
1: There is. Uh, it's uh, a subtle difference, although uh, Richard could get into it. You know, I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I, I read that. I laughed when I saw there's that. There's a lot of
0: respect in yeah. that encounter. Uh,
1: yeah. uh, it was it, uh, Richard Barnett's name was on that lawsuit. I believe it was aldermanic, not congressional. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was in 98.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: it was finally took forever to be resolved. But uh, yeah, Barack Obama was a lawyer in that case in the That's early right. stages. Yeah, mm-hmm. And uh, Richard Barnett, great... Uh, uh, behind-the-scenes guy when you talk about the campaign you you have it in your story about uh, when uh, andrew Hanrahan was defeated by richard uh, by bernard Carey in mm-hmm. 1972 mm-hmm. Um, the big thing there was getting black voters on the south and west sides to cast their ballots for a republican right and um and it worked it worked mm-hmm. then i yeah. remember yep it worked richard yeah. burnett jesse jackson operation push they,
0: yeah. yeah and
1: uh that was the end of edward Hanrahan, and good riddance to him so richard burnett uh what a great man great job on that one richard burnett um Pat Anderson, I I knew Richard Burnett. This is a story I did not know. Mm -hmm. Talk about Pat Anderson. The the obit ran Wednesday, April 17th.
0: Pat Anderson, she was the, uh, the niece of her Uncle Buck Weaver of the Chicago White Sox, and she campaigned for him to be reinstated by Major League Baseball a century after the Black Sox scandal, which was in the 1988 film by John Sayles, that great film, Eight Men Out. And it, that told the story of the Black Sox scandal in which the eight uh, White Sox players, including her uncle, George Buck Weaver, who was portrayed by John Cusack, were accused of taking bribes to throw the 1919 World Series, and they were banned from baseball. And her contention was always that, you know, he didn't take any money. Um, her One of her, um, uh, another relative said he wasn't in on the fix. He played flawlessly throughout the series he went to the meeting he heard about the plan he wanted no part of it and he left Mm -hmm. and for decades his niece pat Anderson faithfully worked to uh, you know reclaim his name and reputation and he he wasn't just an uncle to her he was um, a sort of a foster parent and he took her and her sister in and just was a tremendous tremendous um, father figure to them
1: now the question i ask for you uh many of these obituaries is how did you find your way to pat anderson she's not from chicago or she didn't live in chicago did she
0: you know i think there was uh she had a um an associate who uh also felt that buck weaver got wrongfully maligned and he alerted me to her passing and you know i'm not a sports writer but i love learning about new things i you know i i knew about the scandal you know say it ain't so joe and um I uh, quickly pulled together the story about her, and you know I, I love this because it, it's not just about a player; it's about how that scandal affected generations of a family.
1: I always thought uh, Buck Weaver got a bad deal. I actually mm-hmm. have my doubts about the all of the the White Sox. But I could go on about that. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you a baseball fan by any chance? Are you a sports fan?
0: Well, I was. I, I was, I was uh, at Cubs Park every day in 1969.
1: Every day, pretty much, yeah, because
0: I lived on uh, just off of Addison Street, so I'd hop on the Addison Street bus and go to all the games. But we know that summer didn't end very well, no, it did not.
1: Uh, <laughs> so you're a Cub fan,
0: yeah, yeah, uh, mm-hmm.
1: and not a White Sox fan, mm-hmm. uh, you're a North Sider, mm-hmm. uh, anyway. Uh, but yeah, Buck Weaver, um, it, it, I think got a raw deal, and to this day, I don't think baseball has mm-hmm. a moved on this. Here we go in the her article. Sis,
0: her sis, oh, so,
1: go ahead. No, I was going to say in the article, talk about in 2005, then U.S. Senator Barack Obama wrote to Bud Selig. Mm-hmm. To take over and read the rest of that. Do you see it's, it?
0: Let's see, where are you in the middle? Yeah, in, uh,
1: uh, I'll just do it. In 2005, mm-hmm. then U.S. Senator Barack Obama wrote to Bud Selig, then Commissioner of Baseball, asking for a new investigation. Obama pointed out that when the eight players who also included Shoeless Joe Jackson and Andy Sukkot mm-hmm. were prosecuted for conspiracy and found not guilty by a jury, the trial judge declared that he would not allow a conviction of one of the, f- the defendants mr weaver even if the jury came back with the determination there has been no evidence that buck weaver participated in fixing the 1919 world series mm-hmm. uh but even after the acquittal keen saw mountain Landis, baseball's commissioner banned the players for life and uh it just it's just sad Mm -hmm. one of the baseball commissioners couldn't get her half an hour to talk about it Mm -hmm. unfortunately she did not get what she worked for her sister
0: betty scanlon was a clerk at the sun times and she was a sometime business writer and she joined in the same campaign and she said he was a hero to us and she said the only thing he was guilty of was not being a squealer wow Mm -hmm.
1: yeah yeah baseball threw the book at him and uh it's Utterly uh, hypocritical. I think that right now the uh, baseball is dealing with the, the the fallout over the Houston Astros uh, stealing signs. Uh, they won the World Series in 2017 because they cheated, uh, and so what baseball did was they punished the manager and they punished uh, one of the coaches. But uh, they have not punished the owner. Mm. He still gets to own the team. Mm. Do you get what I'm saying? It's Malina? usually the way things yeah, work. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the way things work. Uh, they need a union.
0: She loved the movie Eight Men Out, by the way. Did she? And she, I was told, she thought John Cusack was the bomb.
1: <laughs> uh, did you like the movie?
0: Yeah, I did. I did.
1: Mm-hmm. I love that movie. One uh, thing I sh- like
0: any movie by John Sales,
1: Brother that from right? another
0: planet. You name it. I love it.
1: Favorite John Sayles movie of all time. Go. Oh, uh, 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 uh,
0: I think Brother from Another Planet. Yeah.
1: I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I remember when they uh, made the movie, um, it was in the early 80s, I want to say, or mid 80s. John Cusack was in the movie. Uh, and there was a press screening. Uh, there was a screening in Chicago. And I went to it. I don't know how I got in. I somehow or other, and Studs Turkle was there because he was in the movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, he had
0: the little hat on. Yeah. 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 A little straw hat. A,
1: a sports writer, I yeah. think, he played. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then seeing Young John... A
0: cigar-chomping sports writer. Yes.
1: <laughs> Not Ring Lardner. I think um, Cusack played Ring Lardner. Anyway, good flick and uh, good memory. Uh, this... next obituary uh, was one I remember reading on a Sunday lying on my couch I read many uh, Maureen O'Donnell uh, obituaries Sunday when I'm lying on my couch and then I text her oh great obituary (laughs) Uh, Charles barksdale mm-hmm. what a legend mm-hmm. uh bay- it's,
0: that word gets overused but it's appropriate here. yeah mm-hmm. talk about
1: charles barksdale he
0: was the bass singer for the dells a 1950s doo-wop group with gorgeous harmonies and they were able to transition through different vocal stylings and 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 continue to have hits they had an amazing track record the rock and roll hall of fame which inducted them listed it as let's see Forty-six R&B hits between mm-hmm. 1956 and 1992. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, what a run. That staying power. And uh, actor-director Robert Townsend based his movie *The Five Heartbeats* on the Dells, and he said that you know he called. He said Charles Barksdale had the velvet voice of the group.
1: And uh, now, as we always do, uh, on, when Maureen O'Donnell uh, comes in the show, I ask her to sing a, a song. So would you sing, uh, Oh, What a Night by no, The Dolls No, <laughs> no, to uh, <laughs> no, 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 uh, no. Don't, don't worry, I'll refrain, but. Uh, but I oh. will
0: tell you he, oh, you go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> no, trust
1: me. You do not want me to sing Oh, What a Night.
0: There's a vocal group hall of fame. I think it's based in Pennsylvania. And I, I this is what I love about being an obituary writer, finding little, you know, uh, groups like the vocal group hall of fame. And and they said that the Dells paved the way for the temptations the miracles the stylistics and more recently boys to men jagged he- jagged edge mm-hmm
1: and yeah, he lived in Chicago to the end, right? I think, the he, shabar- I think toward suburbs? the end he was
0: in Indiana.
1: Oh, mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, well, yeah. that's sort of Chicago. Yeah. Uh, I have a moment where uh, I was a huge Dells fan, still am a huge Dells fan, and there's a one, song, stay in my corner. And mm-hmm. um, so uh, one time, uh, <laughs> it's kind of an embarrassing yeah. story, um, it was on and I was doing the dishes and I was singing it and I was singing really loud and I can't say I know it. And into the, uh, the, the, <laughs> into the kitchen, Walked a friend of my youngest daughter's. Uh, where do I put this dish? And I'm like, oh. Oh, so. Oh God, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> anyway, I love the Dells. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and uh, Charles Barksdale, the Dells.
0: And I, you know, the, the the person who confirmed the death was Marshall Thompson of the Shy Lights. Um, how did okay?
1: So how did you did he call you?
0: Um, no, it was it started circulating on social media, and I tracked down Marshall Thompson and who's um, been just extraordinary you know um, holder and sharer of musical knowledge and he confirmed it because they were friends
1: mm-hmm. uh, so I think I may have asked you this once before uh, but I'll ask it to you again anyway have you ever called somebody to get confirmation? Uh, for for a story you're writing, and then discovered that you were breaking the news to them about the death about a passing. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, occasionally, but usually uh, the person isn't all that surprised because I'm usually calling about an octogenarian, mm-hmm. and if they're a good friend, they knew that their friend was in ill health and something was imminent. But there have been a few times uh, when people say I didn't know, but I was ex-, usually they say I was expecting this. And know?
1: Maureen, one more time, tell people. Sort of what weighs on your mind when you decide uh, which obituary you're going to write? Like, how do you determine some of these cases, like Charles Barksdale is in his field mm-hmm. quite accomplished. So mm-hmm. he warrants it. Mm-hmm. But Buck Weaver's niece is mm-hmm. not in that category. So how do you decide?
0: Well, I- I, every day, I like to pick something different. You know, if I if I write about um, a wheelchair Olympian on Monday, on Tuesday, I might be writing about a Fannie Mae candy dipper. Or um, on Wednesday, I might be writing about um, a fashion designer. On Thursday, I might be writing about a boxing champion. And um, uh, on Friday, I might be writing about um, the... Uh, a u of c scientist uh, a u of c linguist who was one of the last people on earth to know this ancient uh middle eastern language you know and the variety i think is great for our readers and it's great for me too you know it's it's um what we were talking about earlier lifelong learner you know i'm always finding out new things and i love sharing them and um you know, I'm. It. I'm just looking. There's a, a great obituary writer at the New Orleans Times-Picayune, John Pope, and he said, "I'm always looking for that rosebud moment." And as a movie buff, you'll get that reference. He's always looking for when he picks someone to write about. He's looking for that that little moment that'll give you insight into their personality and what made them. So I'm looking. I'm looking for something that sparks my interest, and then I look for the rosebud moment that helps. Give you, tell you what made them tick. Uh, you know, I did an obituary years ago about um, an Olympian. She was a, a gymnast and uh, World War II intervened with her life plans. Um, you know, that they were supposed to be. Um, she was supposed to be going to Europe for the Olympics and show her skills. But World War II interrupted that. And um, her husband told me. When we were first married, Maureen, we didn't have any furniture in our house except a balance beam in the living room. And I just got a visual, I, I, from that moment, I understood her drive and her passion. And, um, and, and also, during the course of writing that obituary, I found out that in those days, women did not get individual um, medals for gymnastic expertise. It was only team medals, you know, so you learn a little about history and the place of women in sports. Was that just women or, or was it
1: for men as well? Just
0: I, just women. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that's what wow. I was told. Yeah. That's, by a, by an Olympic historian.
1: The mm-hmm. logic governing that decision mm-hmm. is eluding me at the moment, Maureen. But
0: what amazes me is it's, just, you know, it, it, it's, yes, it was 60 or 70 years ago or 80 years ago, but. It's also just an eye blink ago in terms of world history. You know, it just was yesterday that that's how the women were treated.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, by the way, uh, uh, the allusion is to the Citizen Kane movie. People mm-hmm. didn't get that. Uh, that Wasn't was the sled? Wasn't it the sled? That yes. was ro- Rosebud yes. was the sled. Mm-hmm. That was, I think
0: we can give that away at yeah, this point. At this stage. <laughs>
1: you, yeah, it's true. If you haven't seen it, shame on you. Uh, great flick people don't know this about Maureen O'Donnell, but she knows her movies.
0: Yeah, I love movies. She Always have.
1: Loves now. We gotta we're gonna have to nudge her a little bit to stay up to date on her movies. Ramada <laughs> Santa and I are bugging her constantly to get out more. <laughs> But she does know her movie, mm-hmm. but particularly '70s and '80s movies. Seems mm-hmm. like those are your real. Mm-hmm. Uh, you were probably out and about in those days.
0: Yeah, but I, you know, I, I was watching, you know, Duck Soup when I was like 14. Going, this is a, this is genius. <laughs> <laughs> what, what high school did you go to? Notre Dame for Notre, girls. I know
1: those nuns didn't like you watching the Marx Brothers movies. Oh, they didn't mind. <laughs> they didn't mind. All right, now this one is. um. A younger uh, woman who passed, Amy Seeley, Mm -hmm. and I'm doing the math in my mind. To me, she's young, she's 48 years old, 49 Mm -hmm. years old, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, She died uh, last month at Evanston Hospital, complications from a stroke. The story came out September 22nd. Again, Mm -hmm. a Sunday, that's uh, me on the couch, Uh, meteorologist for National Weather Service dubbed queen of the lakes talk yeah. about it
0: well i again this was so fascinating to me um she amy Seely, was uh, studying meteorology at northern illinois university and she became a weather service national weather service trainee mm-hmm. and it became her life um she she used to show up at gatherings of great lakes boat captains you know these aren't these aren't the people doing the little tours off of navy pier these are you know real sailors up in the up you know um surviving gales and, and 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 you know ferrying um cargo and um dealing with um uh weather challenges and 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 rust and and so amy shows up at some of their meetings and they say well who's the cute little blonde then she starts talking to them about pressure gradients, frontal boundaries, wind velocities, <laughs> wave patterns. <laughs> and, you know, they, these grizzled mariners start paying attention. And, you know, they said, this, this woman might be able to help keep us alive and keep our cargo safe. And they started calling her, sometimes they called her the sailor's darling, sometimes they called her queen of the lakes. Queen and the lakes. Um, literally, there was um, a man who's. Um, uh let's see there was a, a gentleman i spoke with who was with a, a great lakes captain's group and he called her up and he said look you know what what am i going to do i'm you know i'm, I'm taking my dredge to Sioux saint marie and i'm worried about you know the, the waves and uh he said amy give me your best guess when i can get four days of flat water and she said she didn't mince words bob she said it's december you're on Lake Superior and you want me to tell you when you're going to have flat water for four days, it's not going to happen. Call me in August. You know, I kind of visualized it like the Blues Brothers. It's midnight. We're wearing glasses, you know, and we're, we're in an old police cruiser. Hit it. You know, she just, she just told it straight.
1: Now, speaking of the Blues Brothers, there's another thing about a Maureen O'Donnell obituary. Uh, It's not just the facts of uh, the person's like professional life, in this case, a meteorologist. Uh, you also get to learn a little something about what makes a person. And mm-hmm. one of the things uh, about a Maureen O'Donnell obituary that I appreciate, particularly for people who are not well-known, is that you take that break and you pick up, for the people that you've talked to, uh, aspects of a person's life that would not be known but to, except for people who were her friends or family. In this mm-hmm. case, you mentioned the Blues Brothers. Mm-hmm. Her cats were named Elwood and Jake. Yes. So clearly, <laughs> Amy Seeley loved the Blues Brothers. She did. Okay? She did, yeah. Uh, and, um,
0: and she loved cows. And she, when she saw her home, the home that she wound up living in, she saw, they had like a cow sculpture in the backyard. And that was it. That was the house she bought.
1: She loved that. <laughs> Blues Brothers and she loved cows. Mm-hmm. Okay. She dyed her hair blonde, red, pink, blue, or purple. Mm-hmm. She had tattoos of daisies. I'm getting choked up just reading this. She had tattoos of daisies, her favorite flower, and the semicolon symbol for suicide awareness. She said, mm-hmm. It's not that hard to help someone who's in trouble, her fiance said. Yeah. You can just ask the question Are you okay?
0: Yeah, that's uh- powerful. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and uh, talk about talking to a fiancé. In this case, you're speaking to someone, uh, the, his wife or his uh, fiancé died very young. Mm-hmm. And, this is me speaking young. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think 49 is she very young. She was 49, yeah. And way too young. Mm-hmm. Um, so, And it was
0: unexpected. She had a stroke, she, yeah.
1: So is it difficult uh, to initiating a conversation like that? when
0: Occasionally, uh, sometimes people say, I just can't talk to you, and I never press it. Um, but sometimes people say, yeah, I, I would like to talk about this person. And 90 minutes later, you've, you're still talking. Sometimes two hours later, you're still talking. And when you're finished, when you say, well, I think those are all my questions. Is there anything else you want to add? Somebody, this is very touching to me. Um, the person may say, thank you. I enjoyed talking to them. Thank you. This was helpful to me. Or you made me remember things I'd forgotten. And please, you know, I want people to know how special she was. And that's very touching to me. Um, I, I wrote an obituary years ago about um, a man who invented a game. Um, a politi- it's a, a combat strategy game that still gets played decades after he invented it. There's conventions where people play this game. It's like the old game Battleship. And, um, but uh, I was interviewing somebody who goes to these conventions and he said, so you do this for a living? I said, yeah. He said, well, you're a psychopomp. I said, excuse me? And he said, a psychopomp. And I said, what's that? And he said, oh, it's a term from mythology and it's the, the characters, the creatures that ferry the souls across the river Styx. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Psycho, what's the last part?
0: Psycho-pomp. P, P, I have, my recollection is P-O-M-P, like pomp and circumstance. Whoa. And I thought, really? And I looked it up, and sure enough, those, those were mythological creatures that had this um, responsibility to the souls they ferried across the river Styx, and I really liked that. Um,
1: one other detail that you picked up uh, uh, on uh, Amy Seeley's life that I particularly thought was interesting, coming from you. I've gotten to know you over the years, Maureen O'Donnell. Um, "Quote: I'm reading from this. She thought the movie Twister was a Hollywood assemblage of weather inaccuracies, but never tired of moonstruck." "Quote: Who doesn't love
0: hair? <laughs> sh- Snip out of it." <laughs>
1: i read that i'm like that. maureen o'donnell loves mood <laughs> so she's getting that in this, pic, this. oh my goodness that's mm-hmm. beautiful mm-hmm. i get tears in my eyes just thinking about that mm-hmm. uh yeah you know some certain things st- stick with people forever and when you're, you're remembering someone mm-hmm. Uh, you might roam. oh my God, she loved, and like, let's say, I'm just, Ario. She loved Ario Speedway. Mm-hmm. She loved, you know, da, 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 da. I yeah. mean, yeah. Uh, when, when or, my kid, Or
0: she had six boxer dogs. Yeah. As soon as one died, she got another one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: There's just, just, yeah. That's what made her, her. Mm-hmm, yeah, you know? and unique. Uh,
0: that's a rosebud moment, yeah. It's a rosebud. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, is, okay, now wait, just so I remember, if my memory cor- is correct, help me with this one, mm-hmm. uh, Maureen. The key of Rosebud in Citizen Kane is that it was the key to understanding the motivation of the main character. Am I correct about that in my memory? It's been a while since I've seen Citizen Kane.
0: My recollection is he associated that sled, which was named Rosebud, with love and early happy days. And his whole life was a quest for finding Happiness and he never he got power, he got wealth, but he never found that happiness uh-huh. he had when he was a little boy with yeah. his sled, Rosebud. Yeah. yeah, there you go.
1: Her yeah. memory, hey, once again, her memory is pretty better than I was mine, really
0: excited to see the Google Doodle today. It was Anime Wong, who sometimes described as the first Chinese American um, movie queen, and it was beautiful. If you get a chance, go to your, check out the Google Doodle today.
1: Google Doodle. Yeah,
0: she was sort of a, a compatriot of uh, Marlena Dietrich. Uh,
1: that stuff that Maureen O'Donnell would know. I tell you, the woman knows movies. Okay, <laughs> what was the one we had? Or you were right and I was wrong? Do you remember?
0: Oh yeah, was it the conversation?
1: No 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 no. It was. Oh, it was one of those things where I was like, "Come on, Maureen." Oh yeah. Uh, it was. Um, uh it was uh, uh the richard attenborough no it was the i was david lean was the director and it was, I, it was a ryan o'neill mo- movie it was an irish movie yeah why am i arguing with a barry Lyndon. barry, barry Lyndon. i'm ar- ben jarofsky is arguing with maureen o'donnell all right let's get those mm-hmm. two last names about an irish movie i go no 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 <laughs> uh, that movie was directed by stanley kubrick yes and i said it, <laughs> no. that
0: doesn't seem like his kind of movie <laughs> yeah i was
1: like oh, no, yeah. and i is right <laughs> yeah you're right all right uh torino brito uh mm-hmm. from sunday september 29th
0: 2019 mm-hmm.
1: talk about the churro man
0: he, he torino brito uh, for more than 25 years would walk the streets of pilsen selling churros those wonderful pastries that are filled with guava cream cheese chocolate vanilla strawberry and dusted with cinnamon and he you know he uh he this whether it was cold whether it was hot and he you know he became he was very courtly and very kind and to a lot of people in um Pilsen they you know they saw him as they grew from childhood to adulthood Mm -hmm. and they saw him as a surrogate abuelito grandfather and um there was a great deal of respect for him he was such a gentleman and he had such a work ethic and um he would sell his churros inside um, the jumping bean coffee shop and they actually have a mosaic i think dedicated in his honor and um, he he finally, he, he died of a fall. He didn't die of natural causes at 90 years old. He died of complications from a fall in Mexico City, where he used to go when the Chicago weather turned cold. I mm, mm-hmm. don't blame him from
1: doing that. Yeah. Uh, it, here, I'm reading from the, the obit. It wasn't uncommon for Mr. Preto to sell 500 churros on a weekend. 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was out all day, rain or shine. With his
0: cart. Mm-hmm. With his
1: cart. He loved me, uh, making sure his churros were warm, his granddaughter said he insulate them in a plastic covered box inside his car there's so many people like this in chicago mm-hmm. you know you see him every day when you're walking down the street like well this guy was uh but, but not a um a panhandler but i'm talking about like people who still streetwise i've seen him every day in the same corner for years uh there's vendors at the park there's a vendor that comes into the bowling alley every monday night maureen o'donnell and mm. he's selling um uh, tacos and burrito i don't know mm. yeah. anything about him other than yeah. he shows up mm-hmm. uh every monday night he's there you know selling his wear yeah uh, so how'd you find your way to this gentleman
0: uh, Carlos Ballesteros, one of my co-workers, alerted me to his passing. And um, I started making calls. And it turned out his um, he's related to uh, a Chicago uh, alder woman. And, um, he, you know, he was extremely well known, a celebrity of sorts. And, you know, he used to say, I don't have to do this. I'm doing this to keep busy. And When he would take, this was something I found really, really touching his, his uh, granddaughter, Aida Flores, the older woman, she said that when they would go to the, um, go out for coffee, he would say to all, he'd bring his whole family and he'd say, I don't want anybody to pay. It was his treat. And I just found that so touching that Mm -hmm. the family patriarch wanted to, uh, take care of everyone and treat them.
1: By the way, she was uh, just for the record she was not an Alderwoman. woman she ran for alder woman oh, excuse me yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, anyway yeah great mm-hmm. story uh, and I love the, the picture uh, th- th- this man's shirt is so ironed
0: it's a beautiful mm, <laughs> it's immaculate that? yes mm-hmm.
1: uh unlike me he goes out looking good every day
0: mm-hmm. uh he's got he's got his um granddaughter's campaign button on too which i love it says flores
1: oh yeah <laughs> i didn't notice that but you're right mm-hmm. uh anyway the churro man sold a tasty pig pe- now do you speak spanish
0: i would call it airport spanish What's Which happening? means you can, I can, I can ask where the bathroom is. I can order food. <laughs> I can figure out. I can ask how much, and I can, you know, I can follow directions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so in this, and when you did this story in particular, you, you, the, the interview was in English.
0: Yes. Because
1: mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I, I do a lot of stories about uh, Spanish speakers from Chicago. And I just mm-hmm. wonder if you could speak them in Spanish. All right. Today's obituary uh, is uh, something I know a little bit about. Well, at least I know the. Uh, just a little just a little (laughs) Uh, I've kept this business uh, in business for many years Uh, I'll give you the name of the person, the subject of the obituary, and then uh, folks who've been around Chicago will know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Her name is Donna Marie Malnati, as in Malnati's, as in Malnati's pizza, Mm -hmm. as in the place I've been going to forever. Mm -hmm. Uh, Talk about Donna Marie Malnati.
0: Donna Marie Malnati grew up in Muscatine, Iowa. Her dad owned a secondhand store, and as a young woman, she worked in an arms factory during World War II, but then uh, Chicago. got on a bus, came to Chicago to study nursing at Northwestern and uh, worked at um, two hospitals that wound up merging to form Northwestern Memorial, Passavant, and Wesley. Uh, But while she's uh being a nurse she wanders into pizzeria uno which everyone universally agrees is the birthplace of deep dish pizza circa 1943 and i did not know that well (laughs) now you do (laughs) and she meets rudy malnati who's um who's a a key (laughs) figure at pizzeria uno and um they start dating and they get married and then rudy uh and uh, basically sires two pizza dynasties. He has a son, Lou, who started Lou Malnati's, Mm -hmm. and that was Donna Malnati's stepson. And together, Rudy Sr. and Donna Malnati have a son, Rudy Jr., who starts another pizza dynasty, paisanos extremely well uh you know food critics love them both Mm -hmm. and um so this is a woman who until four years ago when she was approaching 90 years old she was still up at night making the balls of dough for the pizza at paisanos and her son rudy jr said mom we gotta start we gotta make a thin crust. We gotta make a good thin crust. And she's like, Why? Deep dish is the greatest and he said, No, you know, I, I can see, you know, we need to have a variety. But uh, at her memorial or her celebration of life on Sunday, she told her son Rudy Jr. Which, by the way, the the celebration of life is at Paisano's at twenty first in Indiana. She said, um, "She said I don't want that damn thin crust pizza." According to Rudy Jr., she said, "Deep so dish, school. deep dish <laughs> cheese and sausage for my celebration of life."
1: So, how did you find out about her passing?
0: Uh, let's see. This this was um, I think I saw it on social media. Mm-hmm. I think I I, I uh, and then. Uh, I started working on it, and sure enough, a press release followed. Yeah. Uh,
1: and, uh, yeah. Oh, so. no,
0: you know what? I saw it in a death notice. I spotted it in a death notice, and I recognized the name.
1: One more time, mm-hmm. folks the difference between a death notice and an obituary. Mm-hmm. A death notice is a paid advertisement put out by the funeral power. Am I correct about that? Right,
0: taken out by the family, and they get to pick every word. You pay by the word, and you get to choose the words. And
1: mm-hmm. so, uh, every day's Sun Times and every day's Tribune has about two pages i want to say dedicated to death notices mm-hmm. uh, which literally are notices of death and mm-hmm. they give the person's name, so they presume it's spelled correctly because mm-hmm. the family should know how to spell their name mm-hmm. uh and, and they, they list all the, all
0: the survivors the funeral information yeah mm-hmm.
1: and so my guess is that uh maureen o'donnell every day reads the death notices
0: i do i do and i love it when i recognize a name i saw um the name castellanata and i think the services were in oak park and i thought this has got to be dan castellanata's father um dan is the pride of oak park river um river forest high school and uh dan is the voice of many characters on the simpsons including you know, homer he's a, he's a he's a vocal genius and I uh, made some calls reached got through to one of the Castellonata uh, children and um, I wound up getting a great um, email interview uh, from Dan who said, when I was a little boy, he'd read me stories, and he had these two fake eyes, these fake googly eyes, and he'd put them on his face, turn around, and then, <laughs> you know, and I and he said, I thought it it was my dad turning into this cartoon-like character. <laughs> yeah. So it came full circle. Now he's a cartoon-like character.
1: I missed that obituary. When did that run?
0: That was years ago. Okay,
1: yeah. I was just saying. But that, well, like Donna Malnati,
0: that. it was a name I spotted in the uh, death notices, and I thought, this is, this is a piece of Chicago history three.
1: I will uh, refrain uh, from asking Dennis to do all of his Simpson imitations, <laughs> including Homer. He does. Thank you. <laughs> he does many Simpsons. He can do a great Homer, or some other, mm-hmm. and his uh, Marge Simpson is unbelievable. <laughs> uh, come on, D, just do Marge for uh, Homer. <laughs> it's
0: pretty good. He's good. I know he is good. <laughs> what do
1: you hear is Bernie Sanders? All right, I'm doing it. all right, stop. Uh, all right, and uh, Maureen, before you go, I have to talk to you. I don't think we've talked about on a show a movie that you recommended to me, and I. I got around to seeing it. Uh, I got it off of Netflix, Netflix through the mail, folks. I always talk about that. You mm. can still get the discs through the mail and the mm. far greater selection. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is uh, a documentary about the obituary writers, your counterparts, at oh, the yeah. New York Times. It's called Obit. Yeah, Fascinating story. Uh, a movie... The, the, the ostensible subject are people who write obituaries. I would say that it's grander than that. It's really a, a movie, well, it's not really, I mean, I shouldn't say really, it's also a movie that really talks about the uh, anxiety and torment of a daily journalist
0: mm-hmm. compa-
1: co- who's thinking about, did they get it right, did I get it? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Constantly battling the deadline pressure, yeah. trying to come up with something clever and creative yeah. that's also accurate, yeah. worried that what they're writing about it not that important the anxiety that plays upon them and then when you're done even when you're done you're not done because you're worried you made a mistake uh and so i watched this movie it was really compelling I urge anybody yeah. to watch a bit do you think it was accurate and in, in depicting i thought it? it
0: was great i've seen it three times i cry each time i love that moment when the man who's down in the morgue yeah. the clippings in the basement proudly shows off a photograph of three-year-old Pete, Pete Seeger Sieger, yes. sitting on his parents laps I think um at some you know bluegrass folk festival and he says somebody invested a dollar in this photo in 1917 and so we were able to use it when he passed away and it was just the perfect rosebud moment showing a young Pete Seeger and um I was at um Uh, the Society of Professional Obituaries Writers Conference in October in Washington, D.C. and there was a Washington Post obituary writer, I think it was um, Matt Shudell, uh, or it might have been Adam Bernstein, but they, they said, Inch for inch, pound for pound, you have to do more fact checking in an obituary than any other piece in the paper. And it's true. You know, everything from the spelling of their name to how many children they had. You know, sometimes the kids don't know. You know, let's say, well, my dad worked at Bethlehem Steel, and you find out Bethlehem Steel wasn't open mm-hmm. when his dad was a, uh, a working person. You know, uh, he wound up, he was working at um, a, a, a steel company in Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. you know, or um, he. He was uh, he was in the navy, and you double check that with an older family member, and they say no, he was in the Marines. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's um it's important to do your best to get it right. Um, and it's but every word, every other word has to be checked frequently. Yeah, yeah. And
1: in, in the movie itself, uh, a couple things based on, uh, off of what you just said in the movie itself, they show this form that the obituary writers follow, mm-hmm. uh, where they ask exactly detailed precise mm-hmm. so uh, the uh, first name spell it out yeah. was there a middle initial what is yeah. that a middle what's the yeah. last name spell it out what yeah. date was he born yeah. uh, so they can know exactly how old he was when he died yeah uh and uh, even even after doing going through all that one of the obituary writers makes a mistake i don't know if you remember Yeah,
0: bruce weber yeah, yeah he made a mistake yeah he,
1: killing him and the mistake is so minor and yeah. insignificant in the total but he's so mad he, and he, he, he
0: was uh the obituary subject's father i think was a uh chicago or a cook, a cook county or illinois that was a cook county politician and he assumed it was a democrat and it was a republican
1: and yeah and, and when he you know what it's funny you should say that mm-hmm. Uh, a, a total geek that I am, mm-hmm. when I was watching the movie and he was do- going through the questions, mm-hmm. and so he, it was like a Republican primary, a Democratic mm-hmm. primary that the guy ran in, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, you didn't determine which party primary it was. A yeah, there was an I assumption. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. then later we came back to haunt him. And you know, my attitude about this—you mm-hmm. um, are going to really disagree with this, so I'm going to say it anyway and get your response. Mm. Um, as a guy who. Get who's had trouble sleeping. When I've made mistakes, mm-hmm. uh, an old affliction mm-hmm. f- that uh, writers have, it really doesn't matter. I mean, it matters that you correct it and you try to keep it, but you shouldn't beat the hell out of yourself mm-hmm. because you made a mistake. That would be my advice to younger uh, journalists breaking in. Mm-hmm. Don't be like me mm-hmm. and stay up all night because you made a mistake. That's that's my thought. Now you vehemently go go ahead, vehemently well, disagree. Well, you know, me. N-
0: now that we're online, you can fix it. You know you can fix it online it's it's um it's a little different from only being in the newspaper so you can run back and you know if you if you um, left out one of this the children you can quickly <laughs> go back and put it back in oh my but it's God. it's chan- you know i find yeah. it's it's even when you're talking to direct sources immediate family members you know that say somebody has four children yeah. they all have four different experiences and they have four different um, descriptions of their dad and, and encounters. And, and, um, and, you know, some of them will, you know, dad grew up in Canaryville. No, dad grew up in Schaumburg, you know, it's, and, and each of them is very certain that they're right. And, um, you know, because I think the human mind, you know, you start to accept the mythology, you know, that you've been told growing up and you, um, you, but when you go back and say, well, I've, I've actually found voter records that show dad, uh, grew up in Pilsen, you know, and people go, oh, oh, thank you. I didn't know that, but it's, it is time consuming, yeah. no question. Uh, and uh, yeah,
1: no, and the mythology within a family. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you get a hold of, let's say there's four kids, uh, maybe two of the kids can't stand the dad, but mm-hmm. two kids like him. So you mm-hmm. get the two kids that like him, and then the other two kids are reading, oh, I see, she fell hook, line, and sinker for right, the old. Um, right. Uh, mythology you don't want to get in the middle of a family feud mm-hmm. uh, but anyway uh, like I always say the only good thing about dying is that Maureen O'Donnell is there to write your obituary uh, so Maureen thank you very much for the great work thank you, do. you.
0: and the Washington Post and the New York Times recently had an article that said in all the strife that's going on in the world and all the the the, the anxiety uh, obituary writer uh, obituaries are uplifting
1: yeah, you know, there's where did something I see that? very uplifting was about that. In the them. New York Times, yeah. I think so.
0: Yeah, I think it was after Toni Morrison died, and they focused on her death and said, you know, this is this is uplifting.
1: Uh, the New York Times also does this special issue of the magazine uh, at the end of the year where people write about people who died. So famous people write about, or, or writers write mm-hmm. write uh, tributes. Many times I don't even know them, mm. so. But in other cases, I think for Toni Morrison, they had Fran Lebowitz, I want to say, oh, yeah. did a story about how much she appreciated her and loved her and that yeah. kind of thing. So, yeah. um, all right. Anyway, well, thank you very much, Maureen O'Donnell. You can thank catch you for having me. In the Sun-Times. Uh, usually there's every Sunday, but also is it t- twice a week that you're, or is, it, is there sometimes a
0: Sometimes two, two, three, sometimes four times a week, but every Sunday for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Every Sunday for sure in mm-hmm. the Sun-Times. Uh, it's Maureen O'Donnell. I'm Ben Girard. Death
0: is my assignment editor. Whoa, man. I yeah. borrowed that I borrowed that from another obituary writer. Whoa,
1: D, get the bong out. We'll close down with that one. Whoa, that's Maureen O'Donnell back in the day. We'd be on the rocks outside of Lake Michigan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, she never did. She was a very good student in the century. Notre
0: Dame for girls. Notre Dame for girls. They didn't smoke pot in Notre Dame for girls, okay?
1: They were reading and writing. Maureen O'Donnell, thank you very much. I'm Ben Jarofsky, and that's another bonus show. Take care, everybody. Thank